This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Betsy's hung like a horse. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, I'm I'm going to be honest with you, Chad. We got to have a little bit of fun tonight because that game was brutal. There was no fun in that hockey game. We will break it all down for you. We'll give you all of the bad looks, but I'm going to enjoy myself at least a little bit on this show because I don't hate myself quite that much. Just mostly. All right. Avs lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Five to nothing. It was never pretty. For a while, it was at least competitive, but even that ultimately fell apart. Megan is on the 60-second rundown, so we'll, yeah. we'll leave it to her to do the hard job. <laughs> when this job. became more than a three-goal game, I was ready to ask for two minutes. But <laughs> I, honestly, for the sake of everybody involved, it doesn't need to be two minutes. <laughs> Good. It, that would be more painful. I'll try to be as efficient as possible. All right, first period, tensions between these teams are, are observable right out the gate. We're just fortunate that Cagliano uh, seems to bounce back after that Niani collision with Ian Cole, but this is the period where we see OC get into a fight, McDermott almost get into a fight. Ultimately, though, they, they come out one goal down after a Byram hooking call leads to a power play. Corey Perry had a slick move at the net front. Overall, not a ter- uh, terrible period, a lot to build on, but Tampa Bay definitely looked like the more dangerous team in the second period. Um, it's this unfortunate bounce. Rantanen's shot leads to transition the other way, and he trips on the back check. Gerard goes for the stick check. He sweeps the puck to Hagel and the lightning score. Another Byram holding leads to a power play. This one to me looks like Nachushkin accidentally sweeps it. How are we at 15 seconds? It goes right. fast. Nachushkin sweeps it in, it looks like to me. Yep. Um, later, Hagel scores the second goal of the game after another weird, chaotic sequence wherein falling happens. Uh, absolutely that period down for nothing in that period five on five they looked good though they were leading in shots um, in that frame specifically and expected goals but ultimately they let things go that, that first like six minutes in the third period uh, point cycled the puck up to Sergeyev at the blue line he fired a shot through traffic Brad Hunt appears to fall on Georgiev it goes in it becomes a five goal game that's how it closes out Curtis McDermott and Maroon finally get into their fight and the Avs Avs lose, 5-0. Do. Can that be the end of the pod? Do we have to do the rest of this? We do. Oh, okay. <laughs> One of these nights, I am waiting for that. When Like like late in the season, <laughs> and we are just all over it enough that we're like, let's see how far we can push this. Can we do a six-second rundown? Six consecutive ad reads and final thoughts. <laughs> this game, if, if this game came... If this was game 82, Av's position is secure. Right, right, right. Even if this is game like 75, yeah, you kind of, they're kind of locked into where they're at. 
Would that, not have, that was how this game kind of felt. Would not have been a fun one. Unfortunately, that's not the situation. Do want to get into the game. Before we do that, just have everyone take a breath. Minnesota is getting absolutely bodied by Vegas tonight. So standings-wise, nothing's going to change. I uh, I tweeted that with the link. I said, everyone take a deep breath and then come watch this. Yeah. It, it, there is a lot of bad tonight, but we're not burning down the city. All right. This is in Vancouver after game seven. Relax. My 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 favorite <laughs> Elliot Friedman ism. Sometimes we forget that it's one eighty two game season and not eighty two one game seasons. Whew. You're in the back half, you need all the points you can get. There's no moral victory. Da, 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 da. But like it's like yeah, it's it's all good. It's not worth freaking out. They're sitting third in the central. So we just saw two weeks ago, this team is capable of rattling, rattling off several wins in a row. With that being said, let's go to this game. First period, the first 12, 15 minutes of it. 12, I think that's about when Byron took the penalty. I'm actually looking that up right now, so I'll tell you. Perfect. Keep going, then I'll fill uh, in the gaps. Wasn't bad. I think it was a competitive game both ways. As we're getting quality opportunities, they were giving up quality opportunities. I think particularly in the first period, though, you were getting a really good game out of Georgiev. Yeah. He was keeping the abs in this game. He was making the saves that they needed from him. On the other end, let's let, let's start here. How much credit are you giving Andre Vasilevsky for Tampa tonight, and how much are you looking at the abs to finish some of the chances that they simply failed to put in the back of the net? I'm giving a lot of credit to Vasilevsky, but I'm also giving a lot of credit to Tampa Bay's defense. They also blocked a lot of shots that didn't even make it on net. So there's a finishing problem you can point to within the Colorado Avalanche in this game. You have to give credit where it's due to Vasilevsky for having the game that he had, but Tampa Bay also just didn't allow quite as many chances inside the hash marks as Colorado did. Uh, I thought Vasilevsky was fantastic. I thought there were times... Again, I know AJ doesn't like the timely save thing, but AJ's not here. So, like, no, to me, though, those were <laughs> what we saw to Andre Vasilevsky tonight is the epitome of timely big saves. I am a firm believer not all saves are made or created equal. There are times in the first part of that game, like you said, Rudo, when it was competitive before that first Byron penalty, and even thereafter. Where a goal here, a goal there, Vasilevsky gets beat, whatever, completely changes this game. You're back in a tied game or, you know, at a, at a one-goal deficit. I thought Vasilevsky came up massive when the Lightning needed him to. And really, I kind of felt like as the game kind of wore on, I felt like we saw the Avs sag a little bit because it was they were struggling to score. And they knew what they were staring down. They're like, yeah, we're struggling to score. This is a three-goal game. We're not beating this dude three times in half a game. Like, it's just not going to happen. And it almost kind of felt like, eh. We'll get to that. I, I want to hold off on that for a minute. To play a little bit of, of devil's advocate here to what you two are saying. I mean, Dennis Mulligan misses the net. Oh, dude. Entirely on a Absolutely. wide open net. Absolutely. And and if he puts it on net, maybe there's a world where Vasilevsky makes that save and, and you go, oh my God, what a, Vasilevsky's out of his mind. He's, mm-hmm. he's a legend, unbelievable. But he didn't even allow that to be an opportunity. He just yep. clean misses the net. Later, on a power play opportunity, this one, eh, it's a little more scattered. It's a weak backhand that, that slithers by the net. Not as bad. 
Megan, you mentioned Matt Nieto's breakaway before we, we went on the live. That one, unfortunately, feels a little too familiar, but... <laughs> well, and it carried weight, given how the rest of this game unfolded. Seeing him not finish on that chance and having it go directly into the glove, yeah. you can then assign a little more negative value to it in hindsight. Yeah, then, it, you know, maybe a little bit unfair to do so in hindsight, but... Probably, like, a lot of players didn't get the goal in the get the goal in the back of the net put the puck in the back of the net alongside him but that was a very good chance to do so and you only get so many of those especially against good teams like tampa and you know finishing one of those doesn't change the outcome of the game most likely but it makes you feel a little bit better about it it makes you have a little bit more confidence in the abs (sighs) ultimately i'm not too concerned there in part because look expectations for someone like Dennis Mulligan, expectations for someone like Matt Nieto is they're not going to provide a ton of goals for you. So things like that happen to those players. doesn't change the fact that the Avs got goose egg tonight. Well, it's, it's look, (laughs) you're not looking for regular steady production out of those guys, but one of the reasons they swapped Dryden hunt for Dennis Mulligan was we feel like they provide something similar in terms of what they bring to the lineup. But Dennis Mulligan has more offensive upside. He brings, more offensive punch to our bottom six than Dryden Hunt. Again, that was the thought process behind it, right? You haven't gotten any of that. And I just keep going back comically to what I had, I had my buddy tell me from Toronto. And I, the, as soon as a deal was made, I said, tell me about Dennis Mulligan. He said, he's fast, he's skilled, works really hard, gets to great areas, can't finish anything. And so like for me, I'm not... I, I'm looking. I'm looking for him to hit the empty net on a two-on-one. I'm not looking for this right. dude to produce every other night. But if you can't hit the four by six right. with nobody around you, right? Like, like uh, again, I, I just like I'm not one to like harp on a single player, single moment. You guys know I'm always advocating for like, well, it's way harder than it looks. Like that is one where it's at a certain point you. you you were brought in here to be the more offensively gifted version of Dryden Hunt in the bottom six and be able to provide a little bit of that occasionally. You haven't the, really done that. The abs needed occasionally to be tonight. Yep. And you were putting maybe your best opportunity since he's gotten to the abs. And to your point, if Andre Vasilevsky gets across and make that save, you tip your hat and you say, that's an outstanding stop. He did everything he could. He just got bested by the best goalie on earth he didn't even make him do that. And that's right. my problem with it. Matt make Nieto him, getting make him beat you. Right. Matt Nieto getting stopped on a breakaway. Again, Andre Vasilevsky makes a save. We were all kind of joking. Wow. Great save. Eh, maybe he shot it into that glove a little bit. Vasilevsky's a big dude. He's aggressive in his crease. I'm not expecting Matt Nieto to go head to head with Andre Vasilevsky. The Dennis Mulligan one. I'm currently writing studs and duds and spoiler. I've got Dennis Mulligan as a dud, despite him playing a relatively small role in this game, because I thought he had the opportunity and the ability to change the trajectory of this game early on and shanked it wide and didn't even give himself the opportunity to score a goal. Uh, My dad is in the chat. If you scroll up a little bit, Uh, long story short, I turned down a destination wedding that's happening at the end of April under the assumption that the Avs will be in the playoffs. I think I know the answer to everyone in this room, but do we all still believe the Avs are a playoff team? Yes. I still think healthy, fully healthy is the best team in the West. 
Yes. All right, that was a lot less confident than yeah, Jesse's guess. No, they still are. It's just they have some hurdles to get through once they're in the playoffs. See, I, true. I actually I actually think the hurdles come before the playoffs. I think if this team gets like depending on where they get in, yikes, I don't want to be on the other end of that matchup. I could see that going either way a little bit. I I would say I have confidence in Colorado, certainly. Mm-hmm. I I don't have any concerns about Colorado getting there yet. Most importantly, because they continue to control their own destiny. All the teams they need to beat to get on the playoffs, they still play multiple times. You're watching Minnesota flounder arguably significantly worse than Colorado is right now. With Colorado, you can at least say, hey, they played a good game against Pittsburgh. They went in 7-1 and one before the break. It's not like they're free-falling right now, even if this game tonight was terrible. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard for me to overreact to a loss that is bad. Absolutely, you need better from Colorado than what you got tonight. But it's hard to lose my mind about how they're going to miss the playoffs based on this game. I wanted to expand on why I thought they had hurdles to go off in the playoffs. And it's not something that they can't address in season, but the difference is they addressed this in season last year and demonstrated a competence to do as much. And that is being able to dig themselves out of difficult games. This was a game wherein it felt like things just weren't going their way. It was not a good game. It wasn't for poor play throughout the entirety of it. And we've seen a few games like this this season where they did not find a way to win. And this was something that they were skilled at doing last year that by the end of the regular season, when they had already clinched the West, they were dropping games in a similar fashion. But we knew that they were capable of finding ways to win when they really needed to, when the pressure was on because they demonstrated as much earlier in the season. I think that's the only fear with the hurdle in the playoffs is they have to demonstrate that they can still do this. They can still apply pressure as needed. And they just haven't quite figured that out with this team and their identity just yet. I don't think that they don't figure it out. They just have the back half of the season to do it. And the clock is ticking a little bit. A lot of that depends on the health of the team as well. Like, I still think they absolutely make the playoffs. And this is something that they can figure out. But they still have yet to prove it to me within the confines of the regular season. And that's what I'm waiting on with them. That's the only hurdle I I look at the playoffs right now that remains a little bit of a concern, but I think that they can overcome it. I want to I wanna run it back to the health thing a little bit. Look, you win as a team, you lose as a team. Kale McCarr dropping into this game probably doesn't change the entire outcome, but I think you look at that second goal, especially where you have Devon Taves and Sam Gerrard, a little bit of miscommunication. They both kind of take Brandon Hagel and neither of them do it effectively. Does Kale McCarr make this game look different if he's in the lineup? Beyond, look, I get it. You drop an all-world defenseman in, yeah, he probably does some dope stuff. I mean, mechanically for the Avs lineup, does this game look different because they're not mixing and matching their defense if Kale McCarr is here? For the, <clears throat> for the record, someone in the chat said if they lost to Florida, it's the start of a free fall. I don't think people understand what the word free fall means. That means you're losing ground actively every day. Since the Avs lost to Pittsburgh, they've moved up in the standings. Like, a free fall means that you are losing games and everyone around you is only winning. We talked about it in the pregame show. Like, look, this Avs team 
clearly isn't having the type of season that last year's team did. Or to your point, Megan, it didn't really matter what kind of night they were having, the other team were having. They found ways to be competitive in most games. I think there's a little bit of fatigue this year. I think the injuries have added on to it. And I think there's been a lot of things that have really frustrated this Avs group that have maybe put them through more adversity than they faced all of last year. And I think you're seeing some of that frustration shine through. I, I disagree with what was being said in the chat about them not having an identity. This is an almost identical team to a team that is seven months removed from winning a Stanley Cup or whatever we're at at this point. This is this. You're erasing history if you're saying that. Right, up. right. They just had a terrible loss to Chicago and then went seven and one. Right. That's the identity of this hockey right. team. Right. And, and, and is it a bad game tonight? Absolutely. Should they be better? Absolutely. But erasing the last 10 games because of a bad loss is just not real. Right. It, it, it's, it's just not realistic. And that's where it comes back to what we were saying a minute ago. It's one eighty-two game season, not 82 one game seasons. And, and I, I just, it's obvious that not everything is coming up the way that they want it to, but I still look at this team and I say, this is a talented enough team. This is a group that clearly understands what it takes to go through this. There's a leadership core that has been forged over the better part of seven to eight years at this point. They've got to find a way to battle back. These types of games happen. They had these types of games last year. They just felt way better because Megan, to your point, you had this one and then you rattled off four in a row that were fantastic. They haven't been able to do that as consistently this year. But again, to your point, Ruto, they have showed they are still capable I, of that. They, well, look, no one is trying to tell you the Avs are as good as of a team as they were last year. They're not. They're not as good as they were last year. That doesn't mean they can't do the thing. Right. It's just going to be harder. Right. I think, too, some of the challenges have been injury because mm -hmm. that is – they can make in-game adjustments, and that is usually the way in which they can find ways to win in-game adjustments. They've had a lot more limitations in what they're able to do within a game because of injuries. Even like you talked about health and you mentioned Kel McCarr. I'm thinking even Gabriel Landeskog in terms of a game like tonight where I think a team that has all of its pieces, especially someone as important to the leadership group as Gabriel Landeskog, has a little bit more confidence in the identity. I don't think that they don't have an identity. I think it's very similar to last year's, but I think it has asked a lot more of them because of the ways they've had to come up with solving their problems in some of these absences within the lineup. And the all-star break, um, or not the all-star, the holiday break and the response they have after the Arizona game and this losing skid that they go on is important to point to, that they are still capable of doing this. But then the all-star game break hits right as they're starting to build towards something a little bit better that... I hope they have a similar response as to what they were able to do right before the All-Star Gate break began. And that's even in a time where you have an Anaheim game slipped in there. So they're still figuring things out. It, uh, Chad is bringing up a lot of interesting topics here. I know we're going a little bit out of order, but I want to touch on this one too. I think it was Ryan that brought it up first. The Jared Bednar challenge on the third goal. I see a lot of people in chat questioning it. I don't. I, I don't totally understand this. Yeah, goal. that's that's the, the, this game is over if that goal stands essentially. Right, right. So why not give it a challenge and hope you get lucky at worst? Right. Like, you, you think it's borderline? Go for it because it really doesn't make a difference in the outcome of that game. I actually think that's really good. I agree. Use of that of that, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, that, that bullet or whatever, however you want to use that that phrase. Um, 
I, I actually really liked that. And Megan, I just want to go back to what you I agree with you, Floyd. This team has been stress test more this year than at any point last year. And it's not the number of injuries that they have at any given one time. It's the constant changeover. It's the different roles you're asking guys to play. We go, we, you can very easily point to Kale McCarr earlier uh, this season where he really didn't look the same. And he acknowledged, like, I'm having to play a little bit different. I'm not looking for an excuse, but... I've had to adjust the way that I play because of these minutes that I'm eating because of the, the responsibilities at different times of the games that are being laid on me. We see the abs go to 11 and seven Kale McCarr's minutes get reduced and it's a night and day difference in the way that he plays. And even just the way he looks out there again, we talk about it all the time. We're not here to provide excuses. We're here to provide context. And I just, I really do. I look at this team and I say, I think this is still a very resilient group. I don't think there is, and this is going to sound major Homer, major burgundy glasses here, but like, I actually don't know if there's been quite enough credit given to this Avs team for hanging as tough as they have given the way that this season has gone. When you look at Vegas last year and when this similar thing happened, that is a free fall. They dropped like a rock and were never able to recover. The Avs are constantly swimming against the current right now, and <laughs> there's a lot of nights where it's not pretty and they do get washed away a bit. But I think that we can't undersell that they have fought very hard upstream and it hasn't gone great. It hasn't been as smooth as last year. Hasn't looked exactly the same as last year did. This this leadership group is the same. They've had to retool a little bit. You've had a huge step forward from Miko Rantanen who's filled in a little bit of that secondary scoring gap. I, again, I, I just, until we are down into this crunch time, I think they're fine. Like until you are down They've to earned the benefit of the doubt, right? I made the joke to you guys the other night. I don't remember if it was on the show or not, but I just laugh at the difference. And I say this because of where we work and we see it all very up close between Bronco fans and abs fans. The Broncos organization hasn't gotten a thing right for seven years. And every move that front office makes the fans are high-fiving. Like this is the greatest thing. This is going to lead to this team rattling off the next 40 Super Bowls. Joe Sackick has not missed for like six years. And yet every time there's a small speed bump in the road, everyone is like, yeah, I knew it. Fragile. They're falling apart. It's done. Ter you know, just terminate the, the rest of the season. They're missing. I'm with you. They were in the benefit of the doubt. You still have three weeks till trade deadline. You're still expecting Gabe Landeskog back. You're still down a top four. You're actually you're down two top four defensemen. It's fine until it is until it's not. This team has spent the last five years now, plus this one, proving to me that they will get it figured out in the end. And I, I just until that doesn't happen, I'm just going to continue to believe that it will because the 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 best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, and their past behavior says it's all good, baby. And uh, the pod. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, if you guys missed it, it might not have been a fun game, but it, we at least had a fun watch along party at the bar with Jive Hive. They came down. People won $15 off your uh, your order from Jive Hive, which discounted weed. Always a good thing, at least these days. All right. I, I, don't, I don't know if you two are DJs, all right? I'm not going to make any judgments. But back in the day, for me, when you got discounted weed, it was what we called swag. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. bad. Right. 
It was not something you wanted. To not to smoke. be confused with like free giveaways no. at S C H W A G. I've never heard this word before. Seriously? No. Megan's oh, not a DJ. Yeah, I was gonna say. I actually have yeah, like 11 p.m. on every night on my phone, just blocked out for scumbag stuff. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. Oh no, that's too late for me. Sorry. My point being, with Drive Hive, you get high quality primo stuff, as they say. It's you know, top shelf, I believe, is what they say in the biz. Also legal, so that's a plus. Right. At least if you're 21 <laughs> or over. And it's not just that. They deliver it directly to you. So when you're already into couch, as I learned the other day from the Indica, uh, you can just order some more from Jive Hive, and they'll bring it right to you. It's great work. They're amazing what they do. It makes life so much easier than having to go into a dispensary and get what you need. And it's the good stuff. So jump on it. Go to Jive Hive today, J-I-V-E-H-Y-V-E dot com to order. You can schedule it for ASAP if you need your weed right now, or you can schedule in the future when you know you'll be home, ready for a pickup, get whatever it is you might want. They'll bring your weed to you at JiveHive.com. We're also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook app out there. When you sign up for a new account, With code DNVR, you can bet $5 on the upcoming Super Bowl and get $200 in free bets. You don't even have to get your bet right. Just throw $5 down on the Super Bowl and get $200 to mess with on DraftKings, which you can take and bet on whatever you want. If you're a doomer in the chat and you think the Avs aren't going to make the playoffs, go bet on it. Yeah, bet it. Bet it on DraftKings. I (laughs) I bet you get good odds on the Avs to miss on DraftKings. I bet you'd get positive yeah. money. Yeah. So. Well, and, and again, so actually just, this is kind of fun. Uh, coming out of the all-star break, the Boston Bruins are the odds on Stanley Cup favorite. Do you know who's number two? The Avs. It's the Avs. Yep. I learned over the last several years, the dudes in Vegas are very good at what they do. They're extremely, when you see something that you feel like, wow, those odds are too good to be true. It's because they know something. When they are taking a step back and looking at the landscape of the Western Conference and the NHL in general, where the Avs are at, their injury timelines, they they factor in all of this stuff. That group in Vegas, who is very good at predicting this type of stuff, still says, yeah, we're not saying they're going to win, but I would still this put my money on them before anyone else. These are the same guys who literally got Th- this was where I've- Val Nichushin's goal streak right to the game. To the game, dude. <laughs> That was where I, that, so I'm not even joking. It was in this moment where I really started looking into what goes into making up odds and how they arrive at all this stuff because they said that Val Nichushin would go 93 and a half games in between NHL goals. That was the over-under. He did it in 93. It was 92. Was it 92? And, was the, it, it was and the line was 92. And nine, 92 and a half, not 93 and a half. Yeah. And it was, yeah. So just insane. Like, <laughs> and, and again, I'm not saying that's like the end all be all, but that should just tell you the, the, the confidence level that there is about this team, given the makeup, when they think those injuries are coming back, what they have the assets to do with the deadline. I, I just, I, I still feel that that is a more accurate representation than they've had a couple bad losses now strung together. It's not saying they aren't bad losses. We said you wanted four out of six points on this road trip. It's not possible anymore. I'm not downplaying that, but with 30-something games still to go, eh. I'm assuming you have a lot to say, but Jesse did it to me again. 
I'm sorry. God damn it. Must be 21 or older. <laughs> Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> tomato, tomato. We're not giving you the golf clap for that sorry, one, Jesse. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. The State I... of the Union clap. Yeah, I don't, I don't deserve any standing ovations. Uh, I don't know why. The DraftKings read. There's just a long enough pause, and I'm like, yeah, he's done. <laughs> and I actually, I didn't need to interject oh, there. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Do want to talk about this. We kind of glossed over my Macar question. That's okay. <laughs> Was there a defenseman on the abs who was good tonight? Because I think the answer to that question is no. I'm currently writing something very complicated about Bowen Byram because Megan and I were talking about it. He I thought nice. he was really good. Except and for I the thought parts he where made he wasn't. The yeah. two maybe most costly errors in the entire game. Yep. So I, I don't want to excuse because you have to acknowledge that two of these penalties directly lead to goals. Also, bad penalties. Martin, Martin Kaut penalties. I wanted to talk about the nature of the penalties, though. Calm down. It, 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 it <laughs> Not points his back feet. to the impact that Bo Byram wanted to have on this game. He was like a heat-seeking missile in his gap control, a human wrecking ball going after everyone and anything. He also was generating chances. I think he had at least two shots on net. Um, so he was taking liberties there offensively, but he also was playing a highly physical game and he was really involved in play that there was an overzealous over eagerness to him that I think is why he gets his stick around players twice, because this is someone who has been out of game play and should know better. He should know better. That's the bottom line. But I can understand a little bit of why those penalties happen because of a player that is trying to do too much. And I think when you're playing on your heels too, you are so ready. Sorry. When you're no, playing no, no, on your no. heels like that too, I think that is when, and when you are trailing in a game, I think that is when you start to see players take those types of mistakes. When the team defense has sort of failed at points, that is when you start seeing players reaching out their sticks a little too far. Well, and, and the other to add on top of that, when this was still a relatively close game, had a playoff atmosphere to it, right? Mm-hmm. There's a nastiness to this. There game. is no universe where either of those Bowen Byron penalties get called in the playoffs. Uh, I think the first one does. I don't know that it does, man. And it, it, it was it was the angle that they showed from the corner, and it was I actually described it in this piece as a, as a pretty egregious hook because I thought he came. It was. I, I, I thought I thought it was it was too obvious of emotion. If, if you're looking in the dictionary, those are both. Definitely penalties. Right, 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 right. But the way the things get called in the playoffs, you see a lot of the obstruction-y type penalties. Yeah. Really, teams get away with them a lot more. And, yeah, all right, maybe they call the first one. They definitely don't call the second one in a playoff game. Mm -hmm. There's just no way. And Byron's a great player. He's still super young. Still needs to learn the moment a little bit, I think. I agree understand where things are at you're in the middle of a game in february it's not may it's not june everything isn't on the line the other side of that is yes the penalties are bad but he played really well beyond that devon taves and sam gerard did not have a good night yes the second goal where they both get beat wide by hagel and some nonsense where they don't communicate but beyond that the game as a whole, Devon Taves was just all over the place. 
Sam Gerrard, I feel like he tried to contribute offensively, but it was consistently just not effective shooting from the outside. And then, you know, down the lineup, you're going to get what you're going to get from EJ. You're going to get what you're going to get from Curtis McDermott defensively. It, it is what it is. Jesse, you brought this up during the game. First goal of the game, the Avs don't cover Corey Perry in front at all. Mm-hmm. Oh, Eric Johnson has rotated out up high on the penalty kill. We talked about it. There is a certain point where the Avs systems on the penalty kill do encourage their defensemen to rotate out high. Right. EJ just can't get back. I, I was going to say, it's it's <clears throat> where it's become a problem for me is I do feel like Eric Johnson, to your point, Rito, it's part of what they do. They, they, they it's, it's a way to limit time and space for that guy out high that, hey, if your winger gets caught pinching – we encourage that defenseman to jump out high and kind of fill in that spot. Yep. They get away with that, I think, because you have such strong skating defensemen the majority of the time. Eric Johnson just, he gets lost over and over. And where, to me, the biggest mistake comes is either he is expecting that that winger whose spot he filled in for it has now dropped down low and is defending the front of the net, but based on the way that we watch it, I don't know if that's how it's supposed to work. I think it's supposed to be flash out high and then the defenseman draw right back down because it seems like on Eric Johnson's side, way more often than not, you end up with three guys floating out high and then one defenseman down low covering three guys. It's, it's exactly what happened on the first goal is EJ's out high and I forget who the other defenseman was. I don't know if it was... Uh, Taves or not. I think, I think it was. They're they're both on the same side. So now you have both your defensemen on the same side of the ice and you don't have that forward rotating in behind to take Corey Perry in front of the net. Yep. Yep. And it works when it works. Like you said, if that's a Kale McCarr, he turns around, turns the burners on and gets back into position. Right. EJ, even, even if mentally he understands the position, the reality is his skating is just not good enough anymore. And I, I hate that. It's not my favorite thing in the world, but EJ just can't keep up with that system anymore. Yeah, and, and again, I do look at it as... Uh, my other issue is I do feel like... I, I feel like Eric Johnson gets caught chasing. That's where, uh, again... <laughs> Goes too high. Right. Sure. I, 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 it's hard because I know there's a level of that that is expected in this system, but gosh, it feels like you see other defensemen where it's like, hey, pressure, I'm going to force you to make a decision, then I'm going back. I'm not chasing this puck up the wall, across the blue line, then back down the wall before I'm returning. It's supposed to be to support your your wingers or your, you know, your forwards. When they get caught, they should also be recovering quickly. So that should just be a quick moment of support. If you can win a race, great. If you can get a stick on it, great. You don't need to be chasing out high. It's, I see chat talking about Gerard again. The reason we're having this conversation is because, yeah, Gerard was bad tonight. So was everybody else. I don't think he, like, stood out. The rest of the defense was just as bad as Sam Gerard tonight. The idea that he's getting scapegoated for this, I just don't understand. Yeah, you'd like to see him win that battle, but... Oh, for sure. a lot for of sure. battles I would like to see. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I, it's tough. It, it, it's tough. You'd like to see Miko not fall two times on, on these two separate goals. Yep. 
and, and like, look, I get it. I I know the one where he's coming out of the blue line. He probably gets tripped. Oh yeah, he skates directly into. But understand where you're at on the ice. Understand the play you need to make. And don't just throw a puck into nowhere. Well, and that's what's tough. EJ is the one coming back, and it's like speed and killer instinct just weren't quite there. So the urgency to get to that puck was not there, and Kalern had that in urgency. Yep. It, it, two things can be true. The refing can be bad on a play, and Nico can also make a bad play. It, 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 it is what it is. I, I don't want to go too deep into that side of it. I do want to get some opinions. Damn, I thought that was an ad read. That was that was the tone and cadence of a, I do want to. I got to keep you on your toes. Have right? we <laughs> delivered to my door? I thought that's where I was going. I can't, I can't let you all off easy all the time. All right. I got to keep you ready. When you look at how Colorado played this game entirely, first of all, throw the second half of the game out. Game was over. The Avs packed it in. They made a choice that the game was over. They didn't try to come back into it. Don't even don't even think about the second half of this game. It really just doesn't matter that much. On the front half of it, where do you guys fall with the Avs emotionally on this? Do you think they got too frustrated? Do you think Gabe Landeskog as a captain who could be there physically in a month or so helps them stabilize a little bit in this game? Or was this a game where there was no out things just weren't going their way? Um, <clears throat> I, I think that is something in general that they're missing the Gabe Landeskog factor of like being able to level them back out. I think he makes a difference two nights ago. I don't think it makes a difference tonight. Okay. That to me felt like Andre Vasilevsky, Andre Vasilevsky was more aware of this being a Stanley Cup final rematch than I think anyone else on the ice. The game had that intensity to me where like you could feel the the disdain between these two teams. And and I I don't think it sat well with Vasilevsky that the Avs were the first team to eliminate him in two years. Uh, you know, he had the the crazy streak going with like bouncing back after a loss. And the Avs kind of blew a hole in that there in that game too. I just think that the Avs put Vasilevsky through a ringer that he hadn't been through in several years. He looked determined tonight. He looked like he was... We talked about it a couple nights ago with Miko Ranton and how you used to be able to say this about Varley. You can tell early, right away when they're dialed in. Vasilevsky, early on, I said it's going to take something special. I think they, I think the Avs kind of silently realized that on the bench as well. And especially once it's got to a three-goal deficit, it was like, we're not coming back in this game. I, I agree what you're saying in principle. Putting the puck on net when it's wide open doesn't feel very special. <laughs> Wait, putting the puck on net? When you have a wide open net. Not putting the puck on net, you mean? I'm saying putting the puck on net isn't something special. That's something that an NHL player should be able to do. Is this a shot at Dennis Morgan? I'm lost. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you fully. I'm with you fully. That's that. That's one I thought should have been in the back of the net, and you don't know how that changes the game. I just I thought that Vasilevsky really looked dialed in, and outside of that one, 
he made all the big saves that they needed him to make. I mean, he made every save. I felt like, too, the unraveling, in my perspective, seemed to happen when star players made big mistakes. Like, not just Matt Nieto not finishing on a breakaway or, or Malgan missing the, the net. I see it as, like, that first Hagel goal, Miko falling on the back check, and then Taves and Gerard getting outside ice on their player made them uh, start to, I don't want to say feel sorry for themselves, but that's where I feel like things started to unravel, and that's where I feel like emotions began to get heightened. Then even Nachushkin in that following power play goal, kind of sweeping the puck almost directly into the back of the net. It's a series of weird things that are kind of also their mistakes that I think really affected them emotionally more, in my opinion, than a Dennis Malkin or a Matt Nieto. I think that third goal especially, I, I'm not even blaming Nachushkin on that one. Point gets his stick in, and it he takes does. a ridiculous bounce. And But I think that broke the abs. I think that goes in, and the abs went, what the hell? It was the perfect storm of these types of mistakes stacking atop one another in kind of a short time. Yep. And you know, obviously the challenge didn't go their way afterward, and it just... It spiraled out of control a little bit on them. Um, Chat's talking about it. I, uh, how do you guys feel about the way this game was refed? You get a 10-minute misconduct for Miko because he's big mad about not getting a penalty call. You also had a game that included Andrew Cogliano getting his knee exploded. Thankfully, he was okay. Doesn't get called. To be equal, I'm not saying the refs were against the Avs in this game. You also had Pierre-Edouard Belmar leave the game because his knee got messed up. Mm-hmm. It was just weird to me, the decisions the refs made on some of the calls tonight. Did you see the scouting the refs tweet before this game about Sharon, the record? The Avs are now 0-9 with Sharon. In I games, honestly yeah. didn't want to even give that any time of day, but it doesn't feel good in hindsight having seen that before this I, I still though don't think that officiating made it made a difference but I, I don't think it, it completely changed the course of this game I agree I look the Avs ended up where they were because they didn't finish their opportunities and, and Tampa did it's as simple as that it's not like the Avs didn't get any power plays they didn't score Tampa scored on theirs I thought the second power play had promise, too. It was certainly better than the first. I think <laughs> at times the abs are still a little bit too stagnant, but you started to see some movement on the second power play. You started to see them generating decent opportunities. This one was earlier in the game, but I think, Jesse, it was you said it. Who It happened live, and you're like, oh, that was a really good shot by Comfort. What a great <laughs> save by, by Vasilevsky. And then you watch the replay, and you're like, well, it wasn't that good of a shot. <laughs> I think it was a great feed from Newhook, if I'm remembering correctly. It was Rodriguez. It was a great pass. That's right. Rodriguez, right. Great pass from Ranton into Rodriguez. And then it was a fantastic use of deception and and kind of, you know, making a nice little move. And Rodriguez found Comfort, like, all alone in front. Give Vasilevsky credit. He came out. He made himself big. He challenged. It looked like a really nice save. Yeah, you watch that angle from behind, and it's like, he doesn't move his glove at Mm. all. At all to make that save. Uh, all right. On that note, we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNBR. You can get eight different kinds on tap down here at the bar. They're also our sponsor for the party bus. If you didn't know, uh, I hate to break it to you, but the uh, full game tickets are sold out. 
So you can't get that deal anymore. But if you already have tickets to the game, a ticket on the bus is just $20, which you literally are saving money based on parking at the arena on that alone. And you get free Breck Brew on the bus to and from Ball Arena. So it's just a great deal. You might as well take it. You get to come party with us at the bar after the fact. It's just a good time all the way around. Go sign up for it. You can get your ticket for just $20 to ride the bus with us at the dnvrlocker.com and get yourself some Breck Brew because Breck Brew is just straight up delicious. Beyond Breck Brew, we're also brought to you by Shady Rays. Uh, I don't think any of us are busting out the Shady Rays after that game. going to be Maybe honest. Maybe like hide our faces. Yeah. <laughs> the wrong reason to be wearing Shady Rays after that one. But you can get yourself some amazing sunglasses from Shady Rays, either at the Park Meadows Mall or online at ShadyRays.com. They will also hook you up. There's some, if my dad is still in the chat as a kid, he used to buy like nice sunglasses and then he had children. <laughs> And we would do things like sit on his sunglasses all the time. So he would stop buying nice sunglasses, started buying cheap sunglasses because we would break them all the time. Shady Rays will replace your sunglasses if something happens to them in the first 30 days, whether you lose them or break them or whatever, replace them for completely free, no questions asked. So jump on it with Shady Rays. Go get some amazing sunglasses. If you use code DNVR when you purchase two or more pairs, you also get 50% off. Jump on it. Get Shady Rays. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I I think it's clear that no one on this podcast is taking this loss as a significant deal. It's bad. You would much rather have preferred the Avs to win. But in the studio, sky's not falling. We're not panicking. Colorado is in a perfectly fine spot. With that being said, they can't afford to have that many more games like this. Yep. That's, that's, I, I said it earlier. Until they are in a situation where it is too late, you're out of runway, I'm not going to be too concerned, but I do agree with you, Ruto. We talked about it in that Pittsburgh game, before the Pittsburgh game. You're in the back half. you got to start dialing it up now. You've, you've got to start working in the right direction. I felt fine about the Pittsburgh game because I thought the process was good, right? Nate, I keep going back to this. Nate talked to me a couple weeks ago uh, about as long as the intention is there, we can live with bad nights, bad periods, uh, you know, mistakes here and there. For this game, uh, I thought the intent was there in the first half, especially after that failed challenge. I felt like the intent went away, and that was where I didn't love this one. Do the right things, and I do think things are going to fall into the same spot or fall into the spot that you want them to. Um, but yeah, you, you you can't have many more of these where the back half of the game you start coasting a little bit too much, and you know you it, end up. It, an interesting comment, comment rather from Avery here. Avery, wow, I can say words. Uh, who says then they lose again, and you say the same thing. And the thing about that is. Records and point totals and winning and losing are now a relative situation for Colorado. Right. When they lose, if Minnesota also loses, it's a push. Right. It, nothing changes in the standings as far as the Avs are concerned, which is what's happening tonight. Minnesota, is the game over? I don't know. I know they're getting bodied by uh, Vegas. So. It 
maybe just ended with an easy loss for Minnesota. Yeah. So relative standings wise, the loss tonight means very, very little. Well, not to mention this is still a team eight games above 500. Like I'm not trying to harp on any one person, but these conversations that they just keep losing and losing and losing is just factually incorrect. Like what you're saying just isn't true. You're, you're, you're writing the story of this season based on how you are living it in your head. It's not even accurate. Their last 10, they're seven, two and one. Right. So, right. So like, I, I don't know what that means. They lose again and again and again and again and again. And we keep saying the same things. We're saying the same things because the losses all come at different times. They all mean something different within the context of where they are in the season. Again, Context, context, context. You're, you're, you can't, what, what was our thing last year? Can't win the second round tonight. Guess what? The Avs can't win the central division tonight. They got to build towards it. Is it going as smooth as it did last year? No, but to say that they're just losing night after night is purely incorrect. It's not true. It's not real. It's not happening. If that's how you're seeing it, go back and rewatch the last 10 games so you can understand that they aren't just losing over and over and over again. These last two games don't feel great. Absolutely. It sucks. It sucks when they lose. Sports are inherently emotional. One of my favorite things of all time was watching Alex Ovechkin live and die on every shift of the Stanley Cup final. It was so fun to have that drama. It's 82 games. You can't do that all the time. The Avs are sitting, despite these two crappy losses, they're sitting in a good spot, especially relative to the teams around them. The Avs, again, they are still favorites. They're the odds-on favorite to come out of the West for a reason. They're in a good spot. It's fine. There are now 32 games left in the season. If the Avs play them three stretches of 7-2-1 and one, and then have two games remaining, that would be a total of 45 points with two games left. 45 points from where the Avs are right now would would put them at what? I don't even know. What are what are their standing points at? I'd have to look. Wait, are you asking what they're at right now? Yeah. They're at 58. 58. So if they get 45 points through the rest of the season, they're at 103. If they played the next 30 games, 7-2-1, 7-2-1, 7-2-1, uh, I think I did the math wrong, but it doesn't matter. They're, in that they're making part. the playoffs. Yeah. 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 It's not, it'd be 35 because it'd be seven is 14 plus 25 no, wins no, to 28. win the central. What's 28 plus 14, Chad? I can do this. 42, 42. plus three overtime losses is 45. So, yeah. yeah. So, they, they'd be in the playoffs easily if they play seven, two, and one sets Avery, it was 25 wins to win the central. Yep. Which is a little bit of a pipe dream. It's a, it, it is now. I think now that they've gotten two losses, you're, you're probably writing off them winning the central. What is it, 25 and seven at this point? It, or 25, it, yeah, it'd be 20, and one. 25. The losses in overtime make things weird, but right, right. yeah. I think something revealing too is a player that is usually very forthright in post game, especially if he feels the team played bad or he individually played bad, is Andrew Cogliano. And Peter Ba tweeted something really brief. It's not like a direct quote, but he spoke with Andrew and he said Andrew Cogliano didn't feel the team was playing too poorly as the game was going. He said TB was good, blocking shots, Vaskaleski was good, and the Avs weren't doing well breaking out pucks clean. That is not the worst thing I've heard from Cagliano in a post game this year. Yep. It, if you're looking at the pulse of the team and what is likely going on inside the room right now, I've seen worse. 
this just they I don't think they have that negative of, of a reaction and we saw when they didn't have that negative of a reaction to the Chicago game they pulled out some pretty good wins following that well and I think it's it's an understanding from Cogliano Cogliano is a guy who you've seen the Avs take losses and him say you know what that one was embarrassing yeah. Jesse you said it earlier a response like that from Cogliano says to me Avs just didn't have it tonight it happens. So I want to go back to round two of last year. Uh, morning of game three. We're in St. Louis and the Avs were coming off a game where they really didn't look good. And our chat looked very similar to how it does tonight. Here we go again. Round two. They can't skate with the Blues. The Blues bullied them around. They look scared. They're, they're thinking about round two and they're not going to be able to pull it off. How embarrassing of a loss on home ice. And we talked to Josh Manson and he said, you know, that was a game. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing here. This was eight months ago. I don't remember exactly what the quote was. But he said, there's nights where you just don't have your legs. And it's not an excuse that we didn't have our legs. We weren't good enough. And so we all kind of started pulling at that thread of like, okay, well, for a pro athlete, what does that mean? What, what, what does that mean for you guys when you say we don't have our legs tonight? And he was saying, you know, you feel like you can be doing the right things, but your legs just aren't getting you there. And you're having to fight even yourself before you can get to the puck or the other team. You're having to fight yourself on every single shift just to get there, just to get from point A to point B. And he said, when that happens, you're, you're just scratching for anything. You're trying to throw a big hit. You're trying to shoot. You're trying to do something that you think is going to kick you into gear and get your legs going. And sometimes you just don't have it. And he used the analogy of, he goes, he said, you know, for any runners, sometimes you leave your house and you're feeling really good. And it's a five minute mile. Other days you leave your house and you're not feeling as good. It's just, you know, whether it's the weather, you didn't sleep right, whatever. And it's a nine minute mile. That doesn't mean you aren't capable of the five minute mile. It just means you had a bad day. And he said, that's what game two felt like to us was we just, we, we, we showed up and it was a nine minute mile day. And to me, that was what tonight looked like. Tonight was a nine minute mile night for the abs when they couldn't get pucks to go early. I thought they got a little frustrated. I thought Vasilevsky uh, settled in a little bit more. And with every save, he got a little bit more confident. He was a little bit more aggressive coming out to the top of the paint. And eventually it's got to the point where the abs said, we don't have our legs. Things aren't going our way. This game's out of reach. I think that's why Jerry Bednar used the challenge because it's maybe if, again, that's him fighting for something, right? Yep. If we can keep this to two, is that enough to get a couple more guys other than Bo engaged? Going a little bit. Right. Yeah. And, and I just don't think they had their, their legs fully going tonight. I'm not saying that that's a good thing, but tonight reminded me of round two, game two. Just a don't have it. Avery in the comments talking about for the abs to get to the 96 point cutoff, which in the West, I actually think it's more like 93, but we can call it 96. I think this is a little bit of a woo-saw thought for me. There are 32 games left in the NHL season and the abs need 38 points to get to 96. That is marginally above 500 hockey. They don't have to play all that well to get to 96 points on the season and ultimately make the playoffs, right? You have to play... The Avs have played 580 hockey as far as points percentage is concerned on the season. 580 times 32 plus 2, well, times 2 because points. Ignore the math. If the Avs continue to play at the record they're currently playing at, they will make the playoffs. And I think 
we all agree the Avs are capable of playing better than they've played. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Just don't think the math is that complicated for the Avs to get into the playoffs. If you want to have concerns about the playoffs and whether you think the Avs are a repeat team, cup contender, whatever, that's your business. I'll think about the playoffs when they get there. For making the playoffs, I'm still pretty confident in this hockey team. Last thing, king of the game. Had a little bit of fun with this one because I, I do think it is relevant as, as the mouse breaks on our producer. Uh, the Avs did take an L from the hockey gods tonight. Mm-hmm. Evan Rodriguez yeah. takes a puck to the face, mm-hmm. leaves the game. Avs just can't seem to avoid injury. They luckily avoided this one. King of the game is not just Andrew Cogliano. It's his knee. For, divide, for surviving a direct impact from Ian Cole and getting up, going down the tunnel, walking it off, and returning to this game. This is this should be your biggest concern. The one thing the Avs can't survive and get to the playoffs is racking up continued injuries. Mm-hmm. If they continue to lose players, if this McCarr concussion thing turns into a month-long thing, yeah, they've got a problem then. So credit to Andrew Cogliano for being the toughest son of a bitch out there and surviving whatever it is that faces him. I did laugh. That was a funny photo of him. Megan, did you want to jump in on any of that? On Andrew Cogliano specifically? That or on, on what Jesse was talking about earlier with the Avs current record and things like that. You know, what this reminds me of is I have anxiety. Like prop, no, I I have proper anxiety. I'm not I'm not laughing. At you have anxiety. I'm laughing at the way you said. You know what this reminds me of? I have anxiety. And I I want to talk about anxiety response because sometimes people in in an uh, effort to get ahead of anxiety imagine the worst possible conclusions because they tell themselves that well if it doesn't come true then I'll be pleasantly surprised. And the issue with that is. You, you save space for the most negative possible outcome that you carry that in your body, whether you realize it or not. And what I would encourage everyone to practice is detachment because you don't want to attach yourself to needlessly positive outcomes either. That's also not realistic, but you want to detach from both the worst and the best possible conclusion and just try to live in the present. I know it's really difficult to do, but this just strikes me as a fan base experiencing a very reasonable anxiety response And that would be my recommendation is to practice detachment because I don't think you swing so far the other way that you attach yourself to blind optimism here either. But I think you are saving a little too much space in your body for the worst possible conclusions. And that is not good for you either. Can I, can we like clip that and send that to my wife? (laughs) This is honestly really good in a lot of areas. Babe, I love you. You also have anxiety trying to like make self-fulfilling prophecies is just a way to like give yourself a sense of control that you don't have. So every time something bad happens, you're like, Oh, I totally knew this was going to happen. It's just this endless trap. Just for every one of you who yells at me when I say the word shut out on Twitter. All right. (laughs) I have no control over the hockey game. Uh, We have some super chats to get to here. $5 $5 from Degro who says, I feel this game set the bar for how well the abs need to play compared to how Tampa played. 
again, I I don't really know about that necessarily. Look, there's a reason that playoff series are seven games is because any team can play one game poorly. Um, the Avs need to play better than they did in this game. Absolutely. I also wouldn't expect them to play this poorly again for a long time. Even, even when you look at their losses, when you look at the Pittsburgh game before, they played well in that game. They just didn't get the result. $5 from Banks, who says, Dude, I straight up did not have a good time. How long do y'all think it will take to have the offense mesh to have the expected three, four goals per night? So here's the thing on this. When you're looking at expected goals, the Az were expected to score a whole lot more than zero tonight. The problem is the Mulgan shanks, the inability to finish at both five-on-five and the power play, and tonight, I think it was a bigger problem. But again, when you're looking at 10-game stretches, when you're looking at bigger picture things, the Avs are going to start scoring goals. The way they played in the Pittsburgh game, they deserved significantly more goals than they got. And it's just not sustainable for goals to not go in on that consist- consistent of a level. We saw that over their their seven games, not a winning streak, but they won seven of eight. Uh, winning streak before the break. The puck started going in for them, not because they were doing something particularly better. It's just a bounce here goes their way. A puck here slips by. It's sometimes that's just hockey to me. $2 from vaguely sober who says, just say they were poo poo and pod to da. If we weren't sponsored, maybe. Ten more dollars from Vaguely Sober who says the Avs are the defending cup champs. They're going to see every team's very best every night. The team may not be the same as last year, but they weren't getting the same level of attention. I think both of you said Tampa Tampa cares way more about this game than Colorado does because of that rematch factor. So it's true. You still want the Avs to play better. Two things can be true. And then two more from Vaguely Sober talking about Doomer Chat dooming hard. Look, I don't really have a problem with you guys dooming about the one game. I think we say this every time the Avs have losses like this. The game was bad. You can be as upset as you want to be without how terrible this game was for Colorado. It's just don't falsely conflate that with them being bad big picture. Because they're still a very good hockey team. They still have the ability to be one of the best teams in the league, even if they play a terrible hockey game. Those are my answers, at least. I don't have much more to say. Anything else you guys want to add? No. No? No? All right. Let's go home. Let's get out of here. Let's do this all again on Saturday. We'll also be live tomorrow for an off-day show. We might talk about the uh, the Avs documentary. We might we might not. We might talk about some other stuff, depending. Maybe a little bit of both. We'll see here or there. We appreciate all of y'all hanging out with us. Be sure to tune in next time. Uh, you can just you can call us Doctor Doom if that's what you want. We appreciate you, and we will talk to you in the next one.